Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. to you all. It's a blessing to be here with you all this, this morning. Uh, I had a good drive on this morning, um, and I will forgive you on this morning for not being happy about me being a Cowboys fan. <laughs> on this morning, my, my subject that I'll be speaking on is the, the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, when we when we think about that, we hear those words Emancipation Proclamation, the first thought that comes to our minds is good old Abraham Lincoln, right? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, on January 1st, 1863, he declared what would be uh, a message that proclaimed the freedom of, of, of slaves here in the United States of America. Uh, when he proclaimed this address, uh, his intent was that all persons held as slaves would be free. And so we look at him proclaiming this message, and two years later, uh, it was proclaimed that slaves would be free. Texas got the message a little bit late. Uh, You look at it later, and then 1877, two years later, and then you would begin to have Jim Crow laws and and things come about of that nature. Uh, We had some some issues a little bit up until the 1950s, and and 100 years later, after uh, slaves were set free, the descendants of those same slaves were allowed to vote. And it would seem as though his proclamation of freedom was not instant. Uh, it would seem as though good old Abe, with his great intentions, when he spoke this proclamation of freedom, it didn't happen immediately. And we all can be familiar with such things. Uh, sometimes we want and we see things that are offered to us that aren't necessarily free. I remember as a child, uh, getting a good box of cereal, and you would see a toy on the front, and it would be this huge toy. And so I would stick my hand in the box and pull out that toy from the bottom of the box, and it would not be as big as what it showed on the front, right? It just wasn't the same thing, you know? And, and sometimes we go to the stores, and we see something that says, buy this item and get this item free, right? And you get to the cash register and you've grabbed the item that you really want and you grab the item that you're okay with and you find out that only items that are lesser value are free, right? Well, Things that are sold to be something that don't turn out to be that way, right? Our young people, as they have switched over to dating online, right, and they see pictures and images of people, and these people look a certain way online, and they have filters, and even and the men have started to glue their beards on their faces. <laughs> and it just isn't what they thought it would be. But when you look at this thing, 
When God offers us freedom, it is instant. When, when, when God proclaimed freedom through Jesus Christ, it is freedom. And so when God proclaims freedom, it happens instantly, immediately. And there's nothing in this world or outside of it that can undo the freedom that God has to offer us. When God proclaims freedom, it's fine. And so I want you to follow me as we go to the book of Luke. We're going to be in the book of Luke on this morning. Uh, as we look at this book, uh, this is written by the doctor, Dr. Luke, the physician. And Luke, when he writes his books, he, he, you look at Luke and you look at the book of Acts, it is full of detail. Luke is very detail-oriented. It's like reading a history book. He doesn't leave out very many details. And sometimes they look as though it's not relevant information, but it is, I promise. And when Luke writes the book, uh, uh, this, uh, this book here, what we see in Luke's gospel is, is that it's geared towards people who would not have been considered God's people at that time. And so he's talking to people who would not have been familiar with the things that God had done for his people, the children of Israel. And so he gives a lot of detail in that regard. Uh, what we'll be at this morning is in the 13th chapter, and we'll start at the 10th verse. What we see following up to this text is, is that Jesus is speaking on several things, and he's talking about people being ready for this time. Uh, he's given a lot of parables. And here we see Jesus, for the last time mentioned in the book of Luke, teaching at a synagogue. If you're there, say amen. 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 And the Bible reads, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. Can we say infirmity? Infirmity. <laughs> now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you uh, in between, like uh, when I'm teaching and preaching, I, I'll ask you for a response to make sure that you're listening, okay? And if you cooperate, we can get out of here faster, okay? All right. There was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Verse number 12 reads, But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed. Can we say loosed? Loose. Loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on that Sabbath, on this Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Verse number 17 reads, And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Here we see a text of Jesus healing. And, and, and I believe that it's important that we preach Jesus still today because folks need to understand that God and Jesus, as he works through his Father's plan, is not out to get you. Amen? Amen? He's not a, a predator as it would be. God loves his creation. Amen. And Jesus, as he starts here, when we look back at verse number 
10, we see Jesus in the synagogue, and it says that Jesus is in this place of, of teaching and of worship, just like as we are here today. A synagogue was a place that people came to learn of God. And he's in this place teaching. He's in this place doing what his father wants him to do. And then in verse number 11, it says that, Behold! Right? And behold, and that calls you to, to see that this is something important. He's calling your attention to something. He says, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And this word here, when you look at this word infirmity, it means that she did not have the power to do anything about her current situation. She was messed up. She was in a very messed up state. Could not do for herself. And what we see here, and what's relevant to us today is, is that when we are in sin, we can't do anything about our soul's salvation. <clears throat> when Paul speaks about people being in sin, he says that they are dead. He uses the word in the Greek, necros. And I know that we watch TV and we see the show Walking Dead. If you watch that show, have y'all seen that? And you see these dead, <laughs> you see these dead people walk, getting up and walking around. And I guarantee you, children, dead people don't move. <laughs> they, they don't move. They can't get up and do anything. And Paul describes people in sin as being dead. You can't do anything about your soul salvation when you are in the state of sin. And, and Jesus sees this woman, and he sees that she's in a state, but her, her situation is a physical thing. She's dealing with this infirmity, not being able to do anything about her current situation. And it's been for 18 years. Can you imagine 18 years being in a bad situation, and you can't do anything to change it? Some of us find it hard to deal with a vehicle for 18 years. <laughs> Sometimes our children are like, man, this is a long 18 years. <laughs> Somebody just looked over at their spouse and said, 18 years? <laughs> but this woman dealt with a bad situation for 18 years. And it says that this woman's situation was so bad that she was bent over. Her body was bent and twisted in a way to where she could not stand up straight. And some of us are dealing with that situation today because we are in sin. We don't want to do the things that we do. And yet we find the very thing that we don't want to do appealing. We keep falling into it. We keep on messing up. And we can't stand up straight. Righteous. There's nothing that we can do to fix that thing. And sometimes when we come to worship and we come to God and we, we, we hear a message from God and we're called to do something about it, we say, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make the decision whenever I get myself right. But I want to tell you this morning that we can't do that. Amen. We can't do that alone by ourselves. We can't fix that alone. But this woman here is bent over and in a bad situation for 18 years. And look at this. She still found the time to go to synagogue. Amen. 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 What do we do when life is bad? Do we stop coming to worship? Well, well. 
Do we stop coming to Bible class? Do we stop seeking out the presence of God in our lives? I'm guilty of it. I've been there. This woman stayed faithful. Jesus, seeing this woman as he's teaching, he wasn't there to talk to people. He was there to teach. But upon seeing this woman, he stopped what he was doing. And he calls her to him. And I think that that's special. Because a lot of us have been in a lot of messed up situations to where we didn't think that we were worthy of what God had to offer us. And here Jesus is seeing her in her messed up situation and says, Come. Come to me. You're not too messed up for me. You're not too far gone for me. And we got to look at that in our situations, whatever it may be. You may have messed up in your marriage. You may have messed up with your parents. You may have been doing something yesterday evening that you were not supposed to be doing. But God sees you. And he still sees value. And he still sees you as having worth. Jesus sees this woman and he calls her to him and he says to the woman, woman, you are loosed. And this word here is so special because it means to release somebody from bondage. Yes. This is what Jesus does for. He says, I'm going to release you from this bondage that you are experiencing right now. You can't do anything to change your situation. But he says, I can do something. I can do something. He says, you're released from this bondage of your infirmity, this situation to where you can't do anything to change it. And I want you to understand, you may be unsightly to others, but Jesus is calling you. You may not be of use to others, but Jesus is calling you. You, may, you might be done and think that you are of no use, but Jesus is calling you. And he has so much power that when Jesus proclaims your freedom from whatever it is that has you in bondage, immediately you're free. Yeah. Immediately your situation has changed. Verse number 13. And he laid his hands on her. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. When you come in contact with Jesus, when you come in contact with Jesus, your bondage, your situation, the things that's holding you back immediately changes. Yeah. Jesus isn't around for us to be touched by him, by his hands. But we meet the blood of Jesus in baptism. Yeah. And when we come into contact with Jesus, our lives are forever changed. Everything that you did in your past is no longer held against you. Just think as you speed down I-35. <laughs> speed limit 75 and you go at 95. <laughs> Cop writes you a ticket. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> the cop writes you a ticket. Tell you you need to appear before the judge at 10 o'clock. You get before the judge. The judge says, here's what you did. Here's what you have to pay. You're guilty of speeding. Here's what you have to pay. But here's how God works. Say our sin is the sin of speeding down I-35. You're guilty 
you have a ticket. When you are baptized for the remission of your sins, you stand before the judge. And those things that you did before that point of baptism, God says, I know that you did this. But Jesus paid it already. Amen. Amen. Loosed from your infirmities. Loosed from your, your past state of not being able to do anything about your soul salvation. And I think that that is special. And that is something that no one else on this earth can offer you. Only God Amen. can offer you that. Yes, you can find temporary comfort in people. You can find temporary comfort in a lot of things. But only God gives you this freedom that lasts. And so when she comes into contact with Jesus, she's made straight. And what she does is she glorifies God. And she understands here. I know that Jesus came and he touched me and he spoke the words that he loosed me, but God did something through his son, and I'm going to give him glory. And what that means is that when God does something in your life, you don't keep it to yourself. Amen. Amen. And there's a purpose for that. We're going to see that in a moment when God acts on your behalf. You don't keep it to yourself because others need to know about the glory of God. They need to know that this thing is real. Because what happens is that sometimes we get into the body and we get so holy that we forget that we used to be bent over to. We forget that we used to be bent over and unsightly to people. And then we start to treat people the same way that the world used to treat us. Luke continues on in verse number 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. And what indignation is, is, is to be angry against what is judged to be wrong. He saw something that he believed to be wrong, and he said, I need to do something. <laughs> but the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. What this man says is this. Listen, think about what he's saying here. He's upset and mad because Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. You're supposed to be resting on the Sabbath day. You don't know. You're supposed to be resting, not doing work. But he's mad because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He's upset with who? Y'all want to be here all day. He's upset with who? He's upset with Jesus, right? He's upset with Jesus. And he says, if you want to be healed, then come on the other six days and not the Sabbath, as if he could heal anybody on the other six days. There's six other days on which work ought to be done. Come on those other days. In verse number 15, Jesus calls him a hypocrite. Because this man got mad, started talking trash to Jesus, or started talking trash to the audience when he was really upset with Jesus. In his heart, he was upset at what Jesus had done, but he starts yelling at the people. Well, Y'all see what's happening here? This is displacement, right? I work part-time at Geek Squad. People come in and they ask me questions about their electronics and their computers. And then they call me stupid. <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs> like you came here for help, and I don't know what I'm doing with your. You know that, I, I, but I understand that's displacement. You're upset about your situation, 
but you're displacing that anger onto me. And Jesus said, you're not being real about how you feel. You're mad at me. And you take it out on these folks and these people here. He's trying to prove a point. You shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. There are going to be folks in your life who are not going to like your freedom. They're not going to like seeing your freedom. There are going to be folks who aren't going to even be able to see your freedom. He was upset about Jesus healing this woman on the Sabbath and could not even take notice that she used to be bent over and now she stood up straight. Well, amen. But just because folks are mad at your freedom, their anger doesn't put you back into chains. The first part of this passage here is for folks who don't have a relationship with Jesus to let you know that if you come in contact with Jesus, you're going to be set free. But the latter portion of this is for us holy folks. It's for us holy folks because you know what? Sometimes, sometimes our traditions, sometimes the things that make us feel comfortable the things that we've been doing and it ain't hurt nobody. When somebody does something different, it causes you to miss the time. Elbert Hubbard, he speaks of tradition in this way. He says that tradition is the clock that tells you what time it used to be. <laughs> well, yeah. And we've, we've, we've done that at times, right? I want to tell you, I don't wear a suit every Sunday. But sometimes we, we, we put this dress code on people and we tell them that you can't pray if you don't have a necktie. <laughs> Jesus wore double Windsor, right? <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not biblical. We tell folks what they can and can't wear as if it's something that has been stated in the Bible. Some folks have been in situations to where if you have communion at the beginning of the service, you're wrong. If you have it at the end, you're wrong. If you sing five songs, you show sure wrong. <laughs> don't sing the chorus twice. But sometimes our traditions cause us to miss the time. And this leader of the synagogue, he missed the time because he is so focused on the Sabbath and not working that he doesn't see that it's the time of the Son of Man. Amen. He's focused on this Sabbath thing as if we was created, or if they were created for the Sabbath and it's not the Sabbath for us. Amen. Jesus answered him in verse number 15. He says, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? What Jesus does, he's offering a rebuttal to his argument. He calls him a hypocrite because he says, Every Sabbath, you go and release your animal so that he can go drink. Well, and you're calling me a hypocrite for releasing this woman from her bondage. He goes on to say in verse number 16, So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. So Jesus' saying is, is that if you can treat your animals with kindness and respect, and you can loose them on the Sabbath, what is wrong with me releasing this daughter of Abraham from her affliction? Yes. 
And understand when Jesus says this, the people who would be in the synagogue were Jewish people of the descendants of Abraham. And so he's not just saying that she's a descendant of Abraham, but what she's saying is, is that she's a daughter of Abraham. That means she has faith. Because that's what Abraham had. That's why Abraham was chosen. Abraham believed that God was going to take him to a place and give him many nations and, and bless the whole world through his seed. Do y'all know about those promises? Yes, Jesus Christ came through the promise that was given to Abraham because of his faith. And here Jesus is saying, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, a woman of faith. She believed that I could do something about her problem. And he's saying, you can treat your animals kindly and not treat this daughter of Abraham kindly, this woman of faith kindly. She's been suffering for 18 years. And we would do well to understand, church, that we ought to be focused on the healing of people, the unbinding of people, and the loosing of people, and not on these external things that we choose to do sometimes. Majoring in minors. Verse number 18, or 17, rather. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. What we see here is this. The outcome of God's freedom causes others to rejoice. It caused others to see that Jesus had power through God. What we can gain from this here in this passage or this end of this right here is this. When we let others know how God has straightened us up, it causes them to see his glory, to see how magnificent he is. I'm not going to hide the fact <coughs> That although I was baptized at a young age, I have not been faithful my whole life. I'm not going to hide the fact that I was involved in all types of sin. Bad mouth. Fornication. Out clubbing on Saturdays and going and taking communion on the next day. I did that. But that's what I used to be. And God has allowed me to speak his word to his people to the world and I thank God for that it's not something that I take lightly and it's not something that I'm not going to tell my children about it's not something that I'm not going to tell the world about because if God can change me and the shameful person that I used to be and I was in a rough patch y'all I'm telling you I, I didn't think very highly of myself when I was out doing the things that I did but God saw fit to use me. And you need to let folks know where you've been and how bent over you were and how you couldn't do anything about your past situations, but God changed you. It will cause others to see the glory of God in your lives. Amen. Just imagine what would happen in this community if we allowed it to see the freedom that God has worked in our lives. What would happen in this church if crippled and deformed souls were allowed to exist here until they came to Jesus to be freed and transformed? Amen. But sometimes we get impatient in the church. 
folks come in and they don't have their lives together. We're asking them, what are, what are you waiting for? Why haven't you changed yet? What would happen if we allowed them to, to come deformed? Because she was coming deformed to synagogue, obviously. What would happen in this world if we proclaim God's freedom instead of his prohibitions? And I'm putting quotation marks on that. When God proclaims freedom in your life, it is instant transformation. When you come into Jesus, come into contact with Jesus Christ, it's instant transformation. The question that you have to ask yourself this morning is, is do I want to do something about what I am, who I am, what I'm doing right now? You know where you are personally. This message wasn't meant for the person sitting on the other side of the room. This was meant for each and every one of us. Don't think about that person over there. Look within yourself. Am I bent over? Do I need to make a change? The only way that you can do that is to come into contact with Jesus Christ. God wrote a love story to us, to humanity. And in this love story, he states that before the foundation of the world, he knew that we would need a Savior. God knew that we would need a Savior. And he sent his son Jesus down here from the majesty of heaven in the form of a man. And he died for each and every one of us. Yes, sir. You mean that thing that I did last week? Yeah, that too. Yes, sir. The question that you got to ask yourself is, do you believe? That he is the son of God. Do you believe that he can change your situation? Are you willing to confess publicly that Jesus Christ is the son of God? Are you willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins? Being baptized for remission of your sins washes all those sins away. It looses you. It gives you the ability to have an answer and a clear conscience to God. If you are a Christian... And God has healed you of your affliction, stood you up straight, and you strayed away. You've harmed yourself. Now's the time to get back right. Now's the time to say, I want to do something about my current situation, and I know who I need to come to. I invite you to do so as we sing the song of invitation. Would you be free from the burden?